Priscilla grew up in what she describes as a dysfunctional home where horrible things were done to her, and that spiraled into her living a secret double life. But as she grew in the Lord and got the help she needed, she became an advocate for victims and perpetrators in her home state of Michigan. She's also an author, speaker, and one of our dearest friends. Come on, let's do a background check. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is is background check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to background check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum, and I'm also the founder of Forgiven Felons, and Background Check is brought to you by Forgiven Felons helping people with the past realize their future. There's two ways you can find out more about Forgiven Felons. One is to go directly to our website. And if you have a loved one that needs a transitional house when they're released from prison, go to the house page and print out that application packet and send it to them. And then you could also listen to all the stories and what we do. Uh, Right now, we're not going back into prison, but usually we go back into prison and share our stories The other way you could find out more about Forgiven Felons and hear some impact stories is to watch our documentary, which is on Roku TV and Tubi TV. That's Tubi TV is T-U-B-I, Tubi TV. It's free. Uh, Our Roku TV, though, uh, the Roku channel. So you can watch a video on demand. You can watch all three episodes at your leisure while you're driving. Be careful if you do it while you're driving. You can watch it at home, you know, mirror it to your TV. Anywhere you have a Roku app or internet, you can go to RokuTV.com and watch our documentary. So we're, we're really excited about it. And um, so just go see it. If you haven't seen it yet, I don't know. I don't know why. But Background Check Podcast, what are we doing? Why Why do we exist? Why are we here? You know, what is our, what's our motivation for doing this? And I, I just, number one, my gift is, is talking. I just love to talk. The other thing is I want to provide a platform for people that want to share their story. Some of our guests have been on national TV programs, so they don't need any help, but it's an honor to have them on our on our show. Some of our guests will never get that national um, acknowledgement, so we want to still give them the opportunity. Thank you to all, everyone who listens through the website, through Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever you listen from. Thank you so much. And, man, if you listen on Apple, please leave us a rating and a review. That would that would really be good. But Background Check Podcast is all about letting people share their story of inspiration. Maybe they have a good comeback story. You know, maybe they were wrongfully convicted, like Richard Miles, Episode 2. Maybe they were rightly convicted, uh, like I was, and maybe Ron and Don Atkins, episode four, Brian from PEP, episode seven. So many good stories, inspirational, motivational. Sometimes we just have guests on that 
maybe you know didn't do prison time or jail time or anything, but maybe had to overcome some odds in their life, and they're here to motivate. And then sometimes it's informational. We we got a parole lawyer coming up. We've had some reentry programs. We've had some addiction recovery programs, counseling uh, on uh, last week or week before. You know, so we've had CEOs. We've had ministry partners. I mean, just anybody and everybody. So if you know of someone who you think might be a good guest, whether they're a celebrity or not, we'd love to uh, talk to them and, and see if it's a good fit. So thank you for listening. Uh, let's get to our guest today. Our guest is a motivational speaker and inspirational because she's also overcome a lot. Priscilla Bordeo, she's an author, motivational speaker, advocate, and a personal dear friend of our families. She's been through a lot, and now she's accomplishing a lot more. She does something that I don't know many other people are doing when it comes to advocacy, and I can't wait for you to hear this story. I'm not going to give any more of it away, so let's just get to it. All right, Priscilla Bordeo. No, I didn't. <laughs> I butchered it. Bordeo. I'll do the white version. All right. Okay. Uh, Welcome to Background Check Podcast, and thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, um, first of all, how have you been? I've been so good. Um, I was kind of mentioning earlier just how, you know, COVID has changed a lot as far as like it's forced a lot of us to slow down. But in some ways, um, as far as like my traveling schedule, but I still have found ways to like fill the gaps, you know, in ways to like serve my community and my church. So I feel like I've been consistently um, busy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Now, did you have some, did you have a lot of speaking engagements lined up and they, and some of them got canceled? Yeah, actually. um, I really felt like this year was like a really amazing year for me as far as like, especially for my summer, it was kind of like fall and summer where like I had, at least 12, 10 to 12 speaking engagements and like all of them got canceled due to COVID. And I was like super sad and disappointed at first. Um, It would be like, okay, the first one come up and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I would typically be in California right now or I would be in Texas right now. And like every time something would come up, I'd be a little bit sad, but I just feel like God's got me, you know, it's like you, I would, there are certain ones that I was like so excited because it's like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to be at a conference with this person and like look at that look how god kind of did that and then it was all taken away (laughs) so i mean you never know things can be rescheduled you just you know some can't be but um it's all good like i'm over the the sadness of you know things just not kind of going my way (laughs) because i am that girl i'm like super disappointed and i like for things to go my way and run smoothly and when they don't i'm like ah (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I, I like, I'm not a big, um, man, I, I like things planned and I like yeah. them to stay that way. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's, it kind of, kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, don't ruin my plans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so everybody knows who you are. Um, I've already said your name, but we, we were friends back when you used to live in the Dallas area and we went to the same church. Um, and I didn't even know your story at that point. I didn't know your story until you moved back to, to, or to Michigan, I guess, back to Michigan, right? Is that where you're from? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about, about yourself, what you, what you've been through, 
what yeah. what what you're uh, what you're doing now because of that, and um, and then we'll just get into some other things. But tell everybody who you are and and what you do. All right. So yeah, my name is Priscilla Bordeo, and I have a very unique um, call. I feel like on my life because I grew up in a very dysfunctional home in every aspect. You know, my, I come from very large families. My mom has eight brothers and sisters. My dad has 14 brothers and sisters wow. and on both sides. Yeah. Like large families. So I have a lot of cousins, but on both sides of my families, it just seemed like they were both full of dysfunction yeah. with drugs, drinking, molestation and incest. And it seemed like it just spread throughout my entire family. And so I grew up with not wanting to have my last name. You know, when I was three or four years old, the FBI raided all of our houses and all of my dad's brothers, except for my dad, ended up going to prison. But at the time was one of the biggest drug scandals right here in Lansing, Michigan. So if you Googled our last name, you would see that all my uncles went to prison. The guy that my uncles worked for lived in Texas and he ended up being executed because of the amount of crime that took place and deaths that took place when the drug deals were taking place. And so, you know, when your houses are raided and you grew up seeing that kind of dysfunction start to also now, you know, dwindle down to your cousins, you start to see the life that you want and the life that you don't want. And so by the time I was eight years old, I had been molested by two family members, two cousins. And then when I was 12 years old, my dad got um, I was 11 when my dad got a pastoral position. So I was born in Texas, raised in Michigan. So my dad got a position to be a pastor our um, junior high year. And so we moved from Michigan back to Texas and Vernon, Texas. It's like a super small little town. Yes, like, there was is. literally one, yes, one drive through, you know, no malls, nothing like that. You know, and my family would tell you it was the years of health um, because my dad is a very charismatic man. Most people love him. Like, you know, on the outside, everybody thinks he's just this great person. And aside from sin and aside from dysfunction, he is a good, good person. But that was a year my dad started to rate me behind closed doors. Hmm. So it was a very difficult season to grow up in a faith Christian home and then hear about God and try to know God for yourself when your dad's the pastor and there were just certain things that just were starting to really not line up. Like I'm not right. 12 years old being raped, trying to figure out if this is God and Christianity, it's like, I want nothing to do with it. Like yeah. you start to, even at an early age, like blame God for the things that are happening in your life. I feel like I got a bad represent, I got a bad representation of who Jesus Christ was right. and is. And so I kept that a secret for so many years. So there was and nobody in your life. Like, so there was nobody in your life at that time that you could, you could trust enough to, and have confidence to tell what's going on. You just kept it, kept it. So I did. I actually did tell, I have an identical twin sister and we look exactly alike and we do yes, a lot of do. similar things. <laughs> yeah. We're both worship directors. We both have our own nonprofits. We, we do, we, we do have passions for a lot of the same things. And then we have our very slight differences. We're night and day at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, she was somebody that I trusted and told her like what was happening to me at night. 
And if you can imagine, we're 12. So that's something yeah. very, very difficult to, to hear on its own, but also to believe that your father could be doing this. And so I didn't even find out till later that the way that my mom found out was because when I told my twin sister, she actually hid in my room and saw everything that happened mm. that my dad had done to me that night. So that created a lot of dysfunction between me and my twin sister. I mean, the enemy came in right there to create division because, you know, I'm sure the guilt that she experienced, but the, the hatred that came into my heart towards her and my mother, because my mom did find out about it and she still chose to stay with my dad. We mm. still went through seasons where it was like she knew and he's still getting up there preaching and I'm still required to sing. And it was extremely difficult, but it started to form in me this this position of secrecy like I could keep things a secret and I could hide things really really well and I could live this double life um really really well and wow. it's and, and that's not a good thing so oh, yeah. um even as an adult you know I give a lot of credit to actually Trinity Church for to Pastor Becky and Pastor Jim um who really didn't know a lot about my dysfunction but they knew that my behavior and where I was at the time, you know, I'm serving the church and the, to my best ability. I've always served, you know, in every department that I could serve. I was all over everything and involved in everything. And yeah. I loved Trinity Church. I loved what that place offered me. But it got to a point where I was still living like that secret double life, ended up in relationships I should not have been. I'm a worship leader at Sagu for four years, but yet here I am still living the double life, right? Like I am a worship leader during the day. And then on the weekends, I'm going to Dallas and getting drunk and going home with complete strangers because mm. I hadn't dealt with the dysfunction right. and the things that had happened to me in my life. I just got really good at keeping things hidden and a secret. And I just think that that's how society views things, right? People always say like, what, what happens at home has to stay at home. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest lie of the enemy that we believed. And, you know, Pastor Becky finally, you know, it's, she offered me so much mentorship and so much place for healing where she finally said, you know, you have to put your big girl panties on and you're going to have to tell every department that you serve, you know, that you're no longer going to be able to serve right now because right now you're going to Bethesda. And I didn't really get a choice, like whether or not I was going to go. Like it was like, right. you're going. Yeah. And I hated it. The friends with Tim Woody. Tough and love. I hated it. And, you know, yeah, tough love. And, like, her and, like, Tammy Jean and Sarah Sparkman and Laura Allred at the time. I mean, I had – you think about these people, and they're all incredible human beings who are, like, we, we believe in you and we want to help you. And that was really, really hard to accept and receive. And so I did go, and I didn't do very well the first time around. I didn't either. I didn't want to be there. And so, <laughs> yeah, you know, healing's hard. It's yeah. so hard. But I went the second time on my own and I feel like I got so much out of it. So much freedom, so much healing. I went to counseling because pastors were like, your, your pastor Becky was like, you're going to go to this counselor. And I really felt like I got, that was like my first place of like, I'm going to really heal for myself. Like, you right. know, and now I get to travel and speak about the power of forgiveness and and the thing is, is I had forgiven my dad, but I hadn't forgiven myself wow. for the place that I put myself in. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was just like, there were some things that I had to deal with on my own that I had created in my own heart. 
as a result of the things that had happened in my childhood, right? It, for me, it wasn't just forgiving my dad. It was also having to forgive my mother for choosing my dad, right. you know, and then for my young, my younger sister to get raped by my dad because my mom chose to stay there. It, it created a lot of anger and a lot of hurt. And I had a lot of trust issues. Um, yeah. But I'm thankful for Trinity Church. I always give them credit wherever I go and speak because I know that that's the place where I really feel like I received like the most healing and at the start wherever God was going to call me to do. And now I'm actually feeling feel like I'm fulfilling the calling that he has in my life. And my heart and my passion is, you know, is really understanding generational curses. You know, my dad, and it doesn't excuse what, why he did what he did or right. what he did. Right. You know, my dad raped me out of his own place of dysfunction because his father did the same thing to him. And so it's like, I started to really study and, and hear from the Lord of like, what do you want me to do? Right. And so my calling is a little bit different than most advocates. So I am a national advocate. I advocate, I advocate for girls and boys who have been sexually abused, okay. for victims. Right. But I also, and that's 50% of my, what I do. The other 50% of what I do is I am an advocate for perpetrators and those who commit crimes wow. and getting to the root of the problem of why they do what they do. Nobody wakes up and wants to be a felon. Nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to commit this crime because this is who I am. Yeah. It's because something has been done. And so because I feel like the Lord helped me see my father through his eyes and not through my own, that I was able to be like, okay, I forgive you, but I also... I want what's best for you. I want what God wants for you. And that is for you to be healed and whole. That's his heart for all of us. He died on the cross to forgive us for our sins, but also for us to have everlasting life. Yeah. And people always think we have to wait to get to heaven. And it's like, no, no, no. You can actually experience kingdom on earth. And that's what I want for his people, including those that most people want to exclude. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I work with a lot of people that, you know, most families have just totally cut them off, disconnected them because of their crimes, whether they were just violent crimes, sex offense crimes, no matter what. Um, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of a lot of felons that have said, you know, my family doesn't want anything to do with me anymore because of my crime. And right. I, I am so pro-victim that they get their justice, they get their healing, but I love what you do because, because part of, I think part of a victim healing is getting healing for themselves is extending that forgiveness to the perpetrator. And I think the perpetrator becoming whole is sometimes predicated on the victim forgiving them, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I saw that in so many instances in, while I was in prison, it, it's not, it wasn't a sex crime, but this gentleman, he had, he had, um, gone to prison for manslaughter and he had he got drunk started driving ran into a car and hit a family and the 12 year old daughter had died because of that and yeah. and it was just tearing my friend mike up i mean he would come to prayer circles and you could just see and feel the depression and the oppression on him and the guilt and the shame all of a sudden one prayer call one day he had the biggest smile on his face. And, mm -hmm. and I said, Mike, you got something to share? And he said, I sure do. He said, the mother of, of my victim wrote me today for the first time. Aww. And she said, she won't be protesting my parole anymore. 
because she's forgiven me and she sent me a Bible. And the way he described that, and he was a different man from that day on a different right, man. Right. He had, yeah. he had, he had already asked God for forgiveness and he believed God forgave him, but he couldn't, he couldn't forgive himself because he didn't know if that family forgave him. And as soon as that yeah. mom wrote that letter, and I know every, every crime is different and I know it's harder with some other crimes, but you know, this woman lost her, her 12 year old daughter, you know, and that yeah. I know that was hard for her to forgive Absolutely. My, my friend, Mike, but I got to see, I don't know if she got to see, I mean, if he wrote her back and, and was able to convey mm -hmm. the joy that came over him as he was telling us about it. But but man, I know, I know it helped her and I know it helped him. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, well, and I, I, I love stories like that because I believe that that is the heart of the father. Um, he is justice driven, but he's mercy driven. Yeah. So they go hand in hand, right. um, you know, forgiveness and healing go hand in hand. People always think that forgiveness is always about the other person or that it's about condoning what they've done yeah or yeah you know yeah exactly um and that's not that's not the truth of it all i believe that's the the lie of the enemy again to try yeah. to keep people in the same position that they are in because the, the enemy doesn't want anybody to be free right like that's just his heart and so if we could if he can get people to believe that lie he can get people to stay exactly where they're at right. and, but the truth of that is is that Forgiveness on on its own is not about whether or not the other people even deserve to be free. Right. In the natural, we don't right. That person probably doesn't need deserve to be forgiven because he murdered somebody's child. But on the other side of that, forgiveness is about that we deserve to be free. That mother probably felt like she wanted to free herself yeah. from the the things that come along with unforgiveness. It leads to destruction. It leads to a life that's of depression and, and of lack of joy and, and so many other things that it's like set yourself free by choosing to forgive. And I know what that's like. I had to set myself free and that's what I chose to do. And I, I feel like I tell people all the time, you know, forgiveness is so mandatory of us, but reconciliation is optional. Yeah. Um, and it's different. And say, it is different. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't want people to, to believe that they have to, rekindle with a perpetrator or somebody that you know was toxic for them because that is so far from the truth as well i think that you can forgive people and then wash your hands clean and move on right. with your life and live right. the best life that you can live but i also believe that god is a heart of a peacemaker and he wants that for us and if it's possible peace looks different right like you can yeah. have peace in your own heart and you're like consistent with like this feeling of I know all I did all that I could do and you don't have that relationship or you do have that relationship and it's just different for me yeah. personally. I will never have that father daughter relationship that God intended for us to have. It's not possible in the natural, yeah. Yeah. but I can be in the same room as him and I not be moved by what he does or doesn't do. Right. It's it, that's just the position I've taken. I I'm, I'm an advocate in the courts. I'm also a medical advocate. So when I'm in the courts, you know, I give it, a, I, I leave these individuals completely where they get to choose their choice, whether they want a relationship where they want to rekindle. Most people choose the forgiveness route and move on with their life. You know, not everyone's in the same boat as me, right. um, but I'm also a medical advocate where 
um, I get called into the hospitals when girls have been raped and I'm just there as a support system. Like, you know, I, I always tell people don't underestimate the power of showing up. Sometimes people are like, I don't know what to say. Like sometimes you don't have to have the right things to say. Sometimes saying nothing means more to people. Yes. Just being there. Just just, presence. Yeah. Your presence. Yeah. So it's like, just show up for people. Just be that person that's going to show up because that's what Jesus would do. He's yeah. always there at any moment, any time. He's like, I'm here to show up and I'm here to come alongside you so that you can get healed. So good. So yeah. good. Now you mentioned you're an advocate uh, in the court, in the medical field as well. That That is so awesome. Exactly in the courts, how do you advocate? When do you advocate for the victim? And when do you advocate for So when it comes to the courts, they're almost always victims. Like I get contacted and it's just by word of mouth. I don't get paid for this. This is something I do on my own. Like people contact me through my website and say, Hey, or through my social media accounts. I feel like I've really built a decent reputation here where people are like, can you just come alongside me? You know, I want to choose the route that you chose because how do you live? How did you go from being that victim to being victorious? And like, that's my heart to help them become that. And so when I'm for the victim, I'm, 100% for the victim. I don't get involved on the other side when it's a court case. But the way that I advocate for those that are on the opposite side of committing crimes, no matter what the crime is, I am a chapter leader for a national nonprofit called Crime Survivors for Safety and Justice. And what this does, it has over 40,000 members and it's continuously growing. Um, it, It basically includes chapters and leaders across the country. And what they do is they're building a movement to heal together and promote public safety policies that help people and communities the most harmed by crime and violence. But it also helps those that are much incarceration and not enough prevention for recovery support, that means that the cycle of crime continues. Right. And so we're, we, or, we organize to change that. So our heart is to get these individuals who are in prisons rehabilitated right. so that when they're in prison and they come out, the transition for them, we're there to assist them to become heal and whole, just as we would want for the victim to be heal and whole. There's no difference as far as like my heart for each side. Right. And like, it's because like what I shared with you earlier, I truly believe that mercy and justice go hand in hand. I don't believe that if somebody commits a crime that they don't go to prison or serve time. But right. I also believe that our system is so wild, right? <laughs> That's every, a great word for it. <laughs> it's so not the same for every person. You know, it, it's, it's based on your ethnicity. It's based on your economical status. Yep. Can you afford that lawyer? that can get you off. Um, what color are you? You know, yep. all of these different things play a role um, in what city and state you're in. And so there's no, there's no right answer across the board for everybody. Yeah. But the heart of most victims is that they want what happened to them to not happen again. Right. That that's is so that, good. right? That's they so good. want, that's, so most victims are like, they may have the heart if they're full of anger, like I want you in prison for the rest of your life. And the reality is not most, most people don't get life sentences. Right. They go to, they go to prison, they don't get help, they come back out, and then they recommit the crime, which then puts the victim in this position where they don't trust the system. They don't, they're, they fear for their life. They're wondering, is who's next? And the best thing that I think we can give our society is to get people healed across the board. 
I believe we need more counseling in the prisons. We need more education in the prison systems. I, you know, what my heart is like my goal in life at this point is I don't understand why we offer education, but we don't offer counseling to be mandatory. I think counseling should be mandatory for everybody's sentence. If you got sentenced for five years for whatever reason, and you chose not to go to counseling, you stay in prison. That tells me you're not ready to come back into society, right? Because what tells us, that's what tells us they're ready to come back out because they got the help that they needed. And then we make it easier for when they get out and not so hard. You know, it's like they've come, they've, they have to serve their time. They get out and they're practically still serving their time because they now have a record. And so that's what I'm working on right now. My, my recent most like proud. Well, before you, before, before you get to that, uh, because we're, we're, we're walking our way towards that last thing. Okay. But to your point, you know, the counseling is so important because if, if you don't dig into these guys and gals in prison, if you don't ask questions about their past, all you do is, is go, okay, right now you're a drug addict and alcoholic and you commit this crime when you're drunk and you're high. So we're going to lock you up. But why, why are you an alcoholic? Why are you a drug addict? What are you, what are you, cause drugs and alcohol are just, are just coping mechanisms. There are other manifestations of deeper, deeper issues of yeah. issues that are, people are trying to hide. Counseling would help so much in prisons because it would, it would help the people dig into their past and go, okay, why do I act like this? Why did yeah. I commit this crime? I mean, I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but I know, I know what the percentage of our sex offenders that come through our ministry, forgiven felons, almost every single one of them was sexually molested as a child. Yeah. And, and but it's I, so I, unfortunate. I would guarantee you that most of them didn't, didn't connect what they went through as a child with their crime as an adult. But mm-hmm. a counselor would help them to connect that. And a counselor yeah. would say, would help them realize, okay, from here, here on going forth, here's how you break that connection. And you don't do it anymore. Yeah. You stop that cycle and you don't even pass it on to your kids anymore. Absolutely. The next generation. Yeah. So, so yeah. You, you're, 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 you've been working on something and you've made some uh, headway there in Michigan uh, as a Texan. I'm very jealous of this headway. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of want to move my whole ministry and, and, and a bunch of us fellows <laughs> in Texas uh, to Michigan, but tell us about, no, tell, us, tell, us, tell us about your most recent, or maybe I can take you to our, our Senate and in, in Congress in Texas here. And, and we can say, Hey, this is what we need to do. So tell us. Yeah, about actually, it. I have to admit that is on my agenda. You know, Texas is next. I really, um, you know, we do with crime safety or crime survivors for safety and justice. Um, I've been able to partner with them and be able to be a part of, you know, some of the law change, like changing the laws in our state. And um, the goal is to then take it to other states, because when you can show that it's working in one area, you can take it to somewhere else and say, please apply it here. Um, So what we just recently have been working on where I got to speak before our Senate and our House of Representatives is a bill called the Clean Slate Bill. And what that does is it's for nonviolent crimes. So drugs, alcohol, you know, things that... Like mine. Yeah, like like yours. Um, I believe that for, if it's a misdemeanor, it's seven years that you will have, you, you get out of prison and for seven years, if you stayed away from crime and not got in any trouble with the law, it's seven years for a, a misdemeanor and then 10 years for a felony. 
once that 10 year hits, once that seven year hits, your entire slate is clean. And Man. why I know if the reason why we do that is because what it does is it gives the individual the confidence that they need to truly rebuild their life. It releases them from still having to serve time after serving time. It gives them the ability to go after those jobs, the higher paying jobs that they truly deserve from themselves yes. and their families. You're, I'm, I mean, you think about it. You're seven rent, rent, house, rent, rent houses and apartments. Yeah, like it gives right them so much freedom to be able to be all that they were meant to be. And it's for people who actually are no longer the person they were when they were in the prison. Right. I mean, we tell people to go change, be rehabilitated, get counseling, be a better human being to society. So they do it and then they still have this record and they can't do all the things that everyone else gets to do. Right. And I yeah. don't think that, that, that our, if it was a life sentence, and that should be a part of the consequence, right? If you're on right. life sentence, you're in prison the rest of your life. Yeah. But for you to do your time for the crime you committed and to come out and still have to that follow you and track you. Yeah. It's un, it's un, it's not righteous, it's injustice, it's not godly, that's not there's no healing and wholeness in all of that. There is. And isn't. so this is just something that gives people an opportunity for exactly what the bill says. You know, there we were kind of back and forth on what the the name of the bill should be but i was like no i love clean slate yes. like that white it just it's so much it has that those words have so much power because clean slate means clean slate right it's wiped out everything is brand new you get to live your life as if that never happened so and no matter what not, so no matter what no matter, no matter who does the background check on mm -hmm. you no matter Correct. what uh, none of that's going to show up after seven or 10 years. At All right. So I've been out of, I've been out of prison 14 years now and mm -hmm. off parole uh, for 12 years. So yep. I, I would qualify on all my misdemeanors, all my, my two felonies. So I would qualify yes. to have everything expunged. I mean, gotten rid of clean slate. Yeah. I, I know that there's a certain amount. Um, I need so to know because I'm packing my bags uh, today and moving to Michigan. <laughs> Right. So I know that there's where we're, we're, we've gotten the first like two things have passed and then final like voting is in July. So this will like be the point where our governor's going to be signing off. And we believe that that she is going to believe in this for our community. It's going to help thousands of people in Michigan. Um, so I do know that there's a, a, an amount like I think it's like two misdemeanors or four misdemeanors and two felonies. So okay. obviously may have X amount of, you know, crime history right um it you know that may depend on all of that but gotcha. yes that's the heart so me, of the so let me ask though. you this what about mm -hmm. if okay so if i have a clean slate in michigan and and say i had one felony and a couple misdemeanors and it got rid of those um can i can i run for office after that since i'm not a felon anymore well the goal and the heart of it is for it to not ever be seen. Kind of like when Jesus forgives our sins, it's no longer there. And so then, and then gun rights. I don't, know what, I don't know what the gun rights are in Michigan. I know what they are in Texas. Mm -hmm. But in Texas, you know, um, even if I get a, a governor pardon, you know, I don't get my full gun rights restored. You know, yeah, I can now run gun for rights, office. So. I'm not positive on. I can definitely look into that and find out from some of my, um, you know, colleagues i'm not positive about that but okay. i know that's i can imagine i can imagine a lot of people that don't like this bill would raise that <laughs> like well, wait a minute you're gonna clean clean their background now they can go get a check i mean a gun without a background yeah. check 
But man, this is so good to hear. Now, because of all your advocacy, you've won, uh, you've been acknowledged and, um, and, and awarded a few, a few, um, you know, awards. And so let's just go through them. Uh, there was a magazine. What was the name of the magazine? So I was on the cover two times actually for the women's lifestyle magazine, which is our biggest magazine here in Michigan, in our city, Lansing. I do live in the capital city and I'm really proud of that. I love, I love my, the city. Um, it's a meaningful city to me. My family's lived here almost my whole life, minus the years that I lived in Texas for college. Um, but yeah, you know, we grew up here. We lived in 17 homes in this city alone. So this is home. And so you were on the cover of their magazine twice in the same year. So that's a, that's an accomplishment. Some nobody's ever done right with the magazine. I believe I'm the only one that has been on the cover two times in one year. The first one was for, for my work and advocacy and for um, my nonprofit that I'm working on called Word Up, but also I lead a group nonprofit called Remarkable, which is for women ages 18 to 35. And I have women from all walks of life. So girls who literally have gotten off the streets who were like being paid to work the streets to college students, to college athletes, and then everything in between. Wow. Um, and my goal is to mentor and help them reach their full potential. I had that when I was at Trinity. I had an amazing support and group system. And my heart is to make sure I offer that to others. And so 18 to 35 is such a crucial age when yeah. we're trying to make decisions and making all the bad decisions too. So I'm here just to help navigate them and also get them mentored and discipled to be all that God created them to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, and the second one was for... This one's incredible. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The second one was for Women of the Year. I was completely shocked. I literally cried because <laughs> I was like, wait, there are so many amazing women in this room that I'm in, in this banquet room that, you know, people, you have like lawyers and doctors and yeah. you, everything that you can name of people who are making an incredible difference in our community. And for me to have been called by name, like I was just extremely overwhelmed and so humbled and honored to be among some of the women that yeah. have won. So, wow. yeah. Wow. And then you were also, uh, 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 whatever awarded or whatever, or acknowledged as, um, I think it's called 10 over 10 and they, yeah. they recognize, uh, 10 people who are, are set to projected to make a huge impact on the community over the next 10 years. And you were one of those people. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about that. How do they choose that? What is it? Who's it done by the chamber up there? It's our Lansing chamber and almost every city and state has one. And you know, this is, again, this was also very shocking. Um, I really feel like 2019 was an incredible year of like, I feel like me not even just being acknowledged, right? Because it's not about the awards and acknowledgements, but it just was like confirmation that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's the right thing at the right time. And to same thing, to be nominated and to even be the winner of 10 over the next 10 was crazy. It, but yeah, you said it, it's like basically the 10 people they believe are going to change our community for the better. And for my community to think that I'm one of the 10, I was just extremely overwhelmed by, by all of that. And I still am. Sometimes I'm like, wait, is that like, I'll look at my awards that are in my room. Um, I haven't quite put them in my office yet. I just like, 
you know, when I wake up in the morning or I go to sleep at night, I just like thank God for for using me to like further his kingdom. You know, sometimes we think that ministry is in the church or in the mission field in other countries. And it's so the marketplace right now. Like I believe that my heart, yeah, is, is to, to tell people about who God is and how hope is a person. And I believe that that's Jesus and to be considered among some of these, you know, um, like amazing people. 10 over the next 10 is just, is not just for women. It's for men and women. And, you know, men usually win a lot of things. So to be one of the few women that actually won was just like, whoa, God, like you, you're incredible. But yeah, it's. All right. So you have your, you have your own website, PriscillaBordeo.com. We'll put Mm -hmm. that in the show notes. Tell us a little bit about, you know, if people want to visit your website, what can they find? What can they do? Can they get a hold of you to speak uh, for counseling for anything? I mean, what are the. Yeah, there's, they can contact me if anybody ever like just wants advice or prayer or encouragement, or, you know, if they just want to share their stories, you know, some, I'm a, sometimes I'm like the first person that has heard their story because people tend to want to talk to people who've experienced what they have. And um, they can reach me at celebrityo.com. Like you said, they can message me there. They can also book me to speak um, at their conference or whatever it is that they want me to speak. Sometimes I've spoken at our local law enforcement, our national guard. I've spoken at both private and public schools. So you name it. um, I'm there to encourage them and to, to speak life over, you know, their, schools their communities so looking back at your whole life knowing where you are now and everything you've accomplished uh and everything you're you're going to accomplish you know if if you could go back and change if you could go back and change anything in your life would you would you change anything that's such a tough thing to to answer because i feel like in the natural i'm like yes i would have never done that because that would have never led me to that place or that position um because there were some things that were not they were not wise or good choices for me Um, because some of my choices really affected other people and it hurt other people. But now I also feel like on the other side of that, I understand so well how hurt people hurt people, but healed people will heal people. And I feel like I've been able to reach this point of healing and I'm able to now help other people get healed. So like, there's no regrets in the sense that like I've learned and grown so much. And I think that the heart of God is he will use anything, you know, and he will turn everything into good. Um, but of course, on the natural side, I'm like, yeah, I would have probably made some different choices. <laughs> I probably should have, you know, not put myself in that environment or in that situation or with that guy or with that girl, like you name it. It's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have. But I try not to live with regrets because re- regrets tend to lead to shame. And yeah. Yeah. God already took that away from me. so. I'm confident in the fact that no matter what's been done in my life, God is going to use it and he'll turn Amen. it to Great so. answer. All right. Two more questions. One, okay. what would you say to the, the person that is maybe listening to this that has gone through some similar situations as you have growing up and is just not there yet where you are? Mm-hmm. They're not ready to forgive. They're not ready. They still feel the shame and guilt. Maybe like it's their own fault. I don't know if you ever went through some things that maybe made you think it was your fault. Yeah. What would you say to that person right now? I would say that that there's truth to that forgiveness is a process. Healing is a process. But I also have to tell you the truth in saying that we each choose how long we're going to be in that process. That's good. So as much as you or I want to say, well, I'm in the process. 
you know, because sometimes I think we can use that as an excuse to not change. Right. And so if my heart is to get you healed, I have to tell you the truth. I have to be honest with you and say, it is a process, but you choose how long you want to be there and you deserve to be free. And if you want to reach your full God-given potential and destiny, you've got to set yourself free. You've got to make the decision to forgive and you've got to make the decision to do the hard stuff. You know, I, as hard as this is, I say it all the time, you know, no matter who or what was done to you, it's still our responsibility, our each, our each individual responsibility to heal. That's Nobody good. can heal us That's for good. us, you know? So, so what would you say yeah. to uh, a, maybe a perpetrator who's committed a horrendous crime mm-hmm. uh, that, that is having a hard time getting over that, that guilt, shame, the, the belief that he's even worthy of, of forgiveness from God or his victim that's just carrying around that burden, you know, yeah. of, uh, of I deserve everything I get. So just, you know, kill me or, or just don't let me have anything more good in my life. What would you say to the perpetrator? I would say that the Jesus that I know and would want them to know died on the cross for every person to make it. And that includes them, mm. you know, it includes the murderer, the rapist, the ones that we totally, like I said, we want to exclude those. Like we start to categorize sin and crime, <laughs> you know, like these are the worst right. and these yeah. are like, yeah. oh, these are tolerable. And that's just not who, see my life and my goal is to represent the heart of the father. And if his heart is for both sides, I have to be for both sides. So if you're listening and you're someone who's committed, you know, a crime, whether it's on the scale of like, one to 10 where it's not so bad to like 90 to hundred where it's like the worst crime you could have made. Jesus died for both sides. Right. There's no, in like, you know, he doesn't see what's worse or what's good. He's the only one that's truly, truly good. We all have flaws. We all make mistakes. We all fall short and we're all in need of grace. And so I would just say that the grace that is available to me is also available to you. That's so good. That is so good. Priscilla Bordeo. <laughs> 10 over 10, community impactor, world changer, uh, woman of the year, cover of a magazine <laughs> twice in the same year. It has been, and my personal friend, it has been yes. an honor and a privilege. I mean, we've had discussions before, but this is just yeah. really good. I can't wait till it airs. It'll air in a few weeks. But, um, but thank mm-hmm. you so much for sitting down with us and sharing a perspective that, you know, uh, the average person doesn't even consider. And yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys. Bra- it takes bravery. You're you're brave <laughs> to do that. And I'm sure you are met along the way with some, um, some people that probably say some not nice things about you. Yeah. I think I've had one person call me like the devil because <laughs> I chose <laughs> to forgive my dad. But like for the most part, people are very honoring and respectful. But you know, I'm not in this to try to see who likes it or doesn't like it. Right. I have to right. stand before the Lord and if he approves of it, I'm all in it. And so I'm thankful to be on this. I love you and just me. And I love what you guys are doing. And I think that God's going to use you. And I believe that Forgiven Felons and Background Check podcast is just really going to explode in the next couple of years. And I really feel like people need to hear this. People have to have the hard conversations. And these aren't easy ones to have, but they're going to bring so much healing. And so I'm so thankful for you both. I love you guys. You guys are a big part of my Texas home. So yeah. And you know what, if you can ever uh, get one of your uh, congressmen to uh, agree to come on the show and talk about that clean slate bill, I'd love to do that. 
So. Yeah, absolutely. I can actually connect you to the founder of the Crime Safety and Justice, and I'm sure you guys will have an amazing conversation. He can give you so much more details as I'm fairly new to this program. Um, and that was such a God thing and how that was connected um, through a friend. But yeah, they were like, this is your heart and we think that you'd be great to join us. And I'm, I'm a part of that movement, but I'd love to be able to connect you. We do have a chapter in Texas. So like, that's why I say the goal is to also be able to um, not only change the laws there, but there's also grant and funding for yeah. um, nonprofits like Forget right. Felons, which is where we want to be able to assist you. Like that's awesome. my heart. Yeah. All right. PriscillaBerdeo.com is the website and you can follow her on Instagram and Facebook as well. And we will have all the links and everything in the show notes on our website page. Once again, thank you so much, Priscilla. Thank you. See you guys soon. Wow. I really don't have much to say after that episode because I don't want to take away from anything Priscilla said. She was incredible. Brave, transparent, vulnerable, and I just don't want to ruin that. The things that she said, forgiveness is mandatory as a Christian. Reconciliation is optional. I agree with that. You know, I kind of related to her secret lifestyle. Um, I I partied a lot. <laughs> I was helping lead in church and, you know, partying throughout the week. So I get that part. I grew up in church as well. I don't know if I grew up around a fake Christianity like she did. I just didn't embrace Christianity even with a Christian family. But man, I love what she said. You know, she said most victims want what happened to them to never happen again to them or anybody else. And to do that, you've got to rehabilitate the perpetrator. And I think she showed us that you can, you could not condone what they did but still want them to get help. Because if your goal is to have them never do it again, then you want them to get help. And she's unique in, in, that, in that manner because there's a lot of people that have suffered sexual abuse that can't get to that point where she's gotten to where they want to see the perpetrator rehabilitated a lot, just want to see them humiliated and, you know, and just be shamed publicly. And I, I, I don't know, you know, dealing with a lot of sex offenders, I know that they were physically and sexually abused as, as children. And I don't, I don't really, I didn't go through that, so I can't empathize. But I can see where we've missed the boat on, on helping them and trying to stop the cycle. Priscilla is an incredible woman. Incredible, incredible woman. This uh, clean slate bill that they have in Michigan, believe me, <laughs> I want to see that happen in Texas. I don't know what the possibilities are. Uh, Texas, we are red and Republican, and Republicans love to just keep the hammer down on criminals, you know? A lot of, 
a lot of Republicans in the in the news like to say they don't believe in third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chances, and we've got a ton of guys that have had you know five and six chances. I had five GWIs, haven't gotten my sixth one, so my six chances, my six chances proven pretty good. But I um, I really like what Michigan Michigan's doing with that bill because. If I lived in Michigan and I had all the same crimes, more than likely I wouldn't be a felon anymore. And I could do things like teach my daughter how to shoot a gun at a gun range. I could run for office. So many things I could do if I didn't have this. Now, I don't let my past hold me back, but still there are some things that I can't do. I can't even execute my mom's will because I'm a felon. So I, I'd love, I'd love to see something like this happen in Texas. And I hope, hope she does come and, and bring the cavalry and I'll join with them. And, and if anyone out there knows how I can get involved in helping, helping pass a bill like this in Texas, you let me know. Listen, we got all the resources on our show page. It's got the link to that clean slate bill. It's got all the articles and some videos of her winning awards and speaking in front of Congress. And it's got her website there and her social media links. So check us out on the show page, forgivenfelons.org forward slash background check. So just go to the website, click on the background check podcast page, and you can see everything that we've talked about. Hurt people hurt and heal people heal. Man, if that was not enough evidence to show that we need to make sure that we're healing ourselves of all the hurts. Anybody that's hurt us, any hurts that we have, if you hide it, you can't get it healed. So make sure you talk to somebody. And if you're in a situation like Priscilla, message her, look her up, tell her forgiven felon sent you. All right. Thank you. I want to thank, my guest again, Priscilla, it was just an amazing interview. But before we go, I want to pray for Priscilla. So if you'll join me, Father, in Jesus' name, by your spirit, we lift up Priscilla Bordeo to you. We lift her speaking up, her advocating up, and everything she does, we lift it to you, Lord. We lift her nonprofit word up to you, Lord. We, we pray that she thrives in everything she does. We pray that you open doors like you already have, but we pray you open even more doors. We pray that she op helps open doors that were previously shut and slammed shut, and, and there's no chance of opening. We pray that you give her that favor. We pray that as she goes, even from uh, her next state is Texas, she wants to make some things happen in Texas. We pray that you go ahead of her and open some doors. We pray for her family. We lift her family up to you, Lord. We lift her church up to you, Lord. And we ask you just to be glorified in her life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank all of you for listening. Rate us, review us if you have time, if you don't mind. And we will see you on next week's show. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast. Brought to you by Forgiven Felons. Helping people with the past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. 
Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.